we're going to talk about how to overcome weakness in your life. The Bible is real clear, and there's some big principles that will help you. Because every one of us face temptation. Every one of us. Every day, really. We face it. There's pressure that Satan will bring. We know we have an enemy. You know, the world doesn't know. They think the enemy is in a natural government or in a natural leader, but we know who's behind the scenes, who the real enemy really is. And there is an enemy, and he wants to put pressure on you so that you make wrong decisions. And uh, he does that for the purpose he wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. He does not want you to walk out God's plan for your life. He doesn't even want you to know who you really are, right, in Christ. He wants you to, to judge your life by your, uh, maybe what you do for work. Uh, he wants to get you judging your life from your behaviors, what you've accomplished, so that he can start getting you uh, to build an identity in yourself uh, based on even mistakes that you've made and all these things. So we're going to talk about this. You know, if you look at um, the statistic now is, is amazing, the suicide rates, uh, especially in young people, is, I don't even remember, I know it's greater, but it's, it's literally, the, it's going straight up. It's, it's so high right now. Uh, alcohol use has increased in the last couple years 900%. 900%. Wonder if people are trying to cover some things up, right? Prescription drug use has increased, now this is a minimum, a minimum of 1,200%. That's crazy. We don't, now that's prescription drug, we don't know how much street drugs have increased. But it's, it's crazy out there. Everything, the world system is coming against identity, gender. The enemy always comes against your identity. He doesn't want you to know who you are. You know, so we're going to talk about this. Is that okay? It'll be good. It'll help you. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's jump off here. We're going to start in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. It says this. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Interesting. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Then it goes on, there hath no temptation, no temptation taken you. This word temptation is a real interesting word. It, it literally means to make a trial of, to putting to the test. It's interesting. There's no test or trial that has taken you, this word taken literally means in the Greek, that has gotten a hold of you. See, when you face a temptation, which is really a test or a trial, what it does is it takes hold of you. That, that's, have you ever had that happen? It kind of takes hold of you. It says here, but such as is common to man. As we get into this, 
a big lie of the enemy is no one knows what I'm going through. No one has ever gone through this before. The Bible is real clear. Every test, every trial that you ever go through is common to man. That means we've all probably gone through it or something like it or there's a lot of people that have gone through it. It says here, but God is faithful who will not suffer. Little, little uh, vague in the King James, that word suffer means to allow. God is faithful who will not, who will not allow you to be tempted. This, this word is, is from the root of the first word. He's not going to allow you to, to, it literally means to try, to prove, to scrutinize, to examine. He's not going to allow you to be scrutinized, to be examined, to be tempted, to be tested, to be tried. Above that, you are able but will with the temptation, again, it goes back to that first word, that putting to the test, the temptation. But will with the temptation taken also make a way of escape. So we have tests and trials coming against us. We know that they're not unique to our lives. And we know when one of them gets a hold of you, and how many times, how many of you know that we live in the world, so there is, this is going to happen all the time, right? But God is saying, listen, all of this is common to man, and we're going to talk about what that means, but he says, I'm also going to make a way of escape for you. We're going to find that the way of escape there is two things that we must, must walk in to stay free, to get free and to stay free. Two things, grace, the grace of God, and faith. And we'll talk about how that fits into the equation. But also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it, or in the Greek it would say that you may be able to endure it. It's real interesting that this verse, it uses, the, in verse 12, it uses the words stand and fall in relation to these temptations. And, it's, and right at the beginning, he says, listen, wherefore let him that think, thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, when you face this, don't, here's the biggest thing, don't you try to get out of this yourself. Right? Because it doesn't work that way. We, in other words, every one of us, we are all subject to temptation. All of us. You're not going to ever grow spiritually to the point where you will not be tempted. Does that make sense? You have to know that. So how important is this? Temptation also is a very broad subject. We, we look at temptation as, well, you could, well, I'm tempted to lust or to lie or to gossip or to do some of these things. But temptation, it's, it's a lot broader than that. You could be tempted 
to be depressed. You could be tempted to fear. You could be tempted to worry, right? You could be tempted. How many of you are believing God for something that the word says God says he's given you? You'll be tempted to doubt that, right? But don't worry about this. This is, he comes the same, Satan comes the same way down one road, one way for all of us. So temptation is a work of your enemy trying to lead you in a wrong way. That's really what it is. He's trying to put pressure on you to get you to make a wrong decision. I would encourage all of you on Wednesday nights for the last 11 weeks, this week will be 12, we have been talking about the renewing of your mind. I don't think I've ever went this deep. And, and, it, and we're talking right now about a lot about our will that part of you that says, I want it and I want it now, and how that pressure, Satan puts pressure on you to make a wrong decision. We must know how to overcome temptation, right? Temptation, in other words, is the enemy. He's trying to get you to yield to things that will ultimately hurt your life, and it will also hurt those around you. Your life affects so many people. If your life, if God's plan for your life was that you would not affect people, you wouldn't be here. You'd just get saved and he'd take you home. But you're here for a reason. We don't want to make decisions that hurt us and ultimately hurt others. You know, I've watched this for years. Parents who make a decision and never get it right in their walk with God and wonder why their kids all of a sudden in middle school don't want anything to do with God. By high school, absolutely not. And then they go away to college or whatever, go out into the workforce and they, and they have no relationship with God. And now we're still coming back and believing God that, that he'll bring them back. Well, let's not do that to our kids, right? Oh, God could get them back. And he'll work on them. But why, why make them suffer in the same way we suffered? One of the things I get excited about with our children's ministry is these kids are learning about some principles that I never even heard of. You know, think of the freedom they could walk in. So, let's look at verse 13 again here. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man... But God is faithful who will not suffer or who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation taken also make a way of escape. He makes a way out that you may be able to bear it or endure it. Common to man, we are all subject to temptation. If you're sitting there today thinking, I am so spiritually mature, this does not, you're at the top of that list, <laughs> right? You blind, prideful person, right? So let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Let's look at what Jesus, what it says about our high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 is a powerful verse of scripture. Because it lets me know something about this temptation, about everyone that I will ever face. 
It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Your Lord Jesus, when he was on the earth, was tempted in all points. In other words, there is not a temptation that you will ever face that he has not faced. So as, as he is your high priest, as he is your Lord, as he is, as he is seated at the right hand of the Father, he's the apostle and high priest of your confession. He's watching over his word to perform it. Listen, he will make a way out for you and he knows he knows exactly what the enemy's doing. He actually knows how you feel when you're in the middle of this. Because it could be a pressure cooker. You know, although right now, a lot of temptation, the reason why we have to pray for revival and an awakening in the church, a revival is not so that the world gets saved. Yeah, that's the ultimate, that's what will ultimately happen when revival happens. But ultimately, an awakening and a revival means the church wakes up. And so many Christians, because of the inner turmoil, because of learning some things and saying no over and over and over, we've got a lot of callous hearts that people, that they're sitting in church, a lot of them aren't in church even, and, and they have no desire for God, and it's like they're asleep. And that's, that's not the way you want to live your life. But you got to know, there's never been a temptation that I have experienced that Jesus has not experienced and overcome. And I'll be honest with you, not only has he been tempted in all points like we, he's, been, he's gone way, way farther into it. Right? I'm way farther into it. So look at this. Now that's Hebrews 4.15. Jump back to Hebrews 2.18. And I want to look at this in the uh, New American Standard Version, they've changed it. It used to be the NASV. Now it's the NAS 77 from 1977 or the NAV from 95, whatever. I don't care what it is. It, they're both kind of the same. It says here in Hebrews 2.18, and I love this translation because it, it really comes close. Put up, do you have the 77 one? You don't have that one. Okay, that's all right. So in the 95 one, it says, For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, look at, look at this, because he was tempted, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. In, in the 70, 1977 version, it says, For we do not have a high priest which, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. You could, the Greek language fits both of these. Because, because he has been tempted, he can come to your aid. He can sympathize with you. Right? Now, the way God sympathizes is not always the way that humans sympathize. 
God does everything to bring you up to a higher level. And your spirit loves it, your flesh may not. Right? Because God will want you to get over yourself, to lay some things down, to forget some things. God comes to me on a regular basis and says, okay, Tony, I do not ever want you to touch this in your thought life again. What that means, if that thought ever comes up, I take it captive with the word. And he always tells me how to do that. So now jumping, still staying in Hebrews, we'll go back to the King James Version, but in Hebrews chapter 12, I want to look at a few verses here because it'll start to talk about this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... This word weight in the, Greek, or in the Greek language means every burden or every hindrance. In other words, weights are anything that hinders spiritual growth, right? Fishing is not a bad thing. Hunting is not a bad thing. But fishing and hunting all the time and never being in church, that will become a hindrance to you. Fishing or hunting at the expense of, so that now you live a life, you're never in the word, you never, right? Work, God wants you to work heartily as unto the Lord, but work could become a hindrance if it's stopping your spiritual growth. But it says here, the weight and the sin, we're to lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us, and now we're talking about temptation here. Both of them really are, because remember, temptation is Satan coming, putting pressure to try to get you to make wrong choices, trying to get you to yield to something that will ultimately hurt you and even those around you. Weights and now sin. This word sin that does so easily beset us, this word beset means to press on all sides so as to entangle us so that getting free from it's not easy. Have you ever noticed that? If you allow something in your life that is not from God, it will start to entangle your life. It, it starts to try. That, that's, that's where it talks about the temptation taking you. It's kind of like it surrounds you on all sides. The Bible says you and I have the ability to lay it down. That's why you can't buy the lie that nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody's ever had to deal with this. I'm all alone in this deal. No, you're not. You have the power as a child of God to lay it down. Satan does not want you to know that. And God is saying, I know where you are. You're never going to face anything that you can't bear. Right? Right? How many of you are in a battle today? Are, are you in a battle today? Does it feel good? No, no. Do you know if you liken that battle to a fighting ring, do you realize that the mere fact that you're in the ring with whatever you're facing means that you're able to overcome it? Because... You, if you, you will never get in the ring with somebody, with an enemy that you can't bear. 
God is saying, I will make sure you know. So if you haven't, if something's coming against you, realize, I don't care what it is. You're able to overcome it in him. Isn't that good news? You'll never, I, I mean, I, playing sports, I still remember years and years ago when I was playing basketball with a friend of mine. We were in South Central LA and we were playing with two guys. One was his best friend growing up who was an NBA player. And I was playing against the guy uh, who was, he, he won literally the defensive player of the year for the Lakers at the time. And that was the day that I realized that I would never be an NBA player. <laughs> because he was faster, stronger, could, could do things. When I'd watch him play basketball, I'm like, man, your jump shot is horrible. Not that day. He's nailing everything. He could almost say, Tony, I'm going to drive I'm going to drive the baseline on you, and I'd be standing on the baseline. Well, there's no possible way. Oh, yeah, he did it with ease. It was just, it was beyond me. Your father knows where you are. He won't let something bigger than who you are in him. Now, it'll, it'll be bigger than who you are in yourself, but we don't live by ourselves. We live in him, right? It says... How do we run our race? We lay aside the weight, we lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us, and we run our race with patience. That means endurance, and it also means single-mindedness. Again, these temptations, these tests, these trials, we know all about this, they're distractions. They're tr all they're trying to do is distract you so that you start making wrong decisions because if he can ever get you separated from faith or from the word of God, you're done until you make a decision to get in the word. Do you know how many Christians never get in the word? And they wonder why all this stuff never works out in their life. It's because... The two major components to walking in the freedom that Christ has given you and staying in the freedom that Christ has given you is grace and faith. And both of them come through the word of God. There's people that say, well, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God and I have a relationship with him. And you get to, you, you talk to them and they, I never go to church. I never read my Bible. That's, then that's impossible. Because how we know God is through his word, right? So, so there's a lot of deception with this. So we run this race with single-mindedness. We lay aside the weights and the sin. With, we run this race with endurance. We receive all the promises of God through what? Faith and patience. And it says here, how do we run it? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. We don't run our race looking at the problem. So what do we do with tests and trials? We keep our eyes on the Lord. That's the fight of faith. It's not against Satan. He's already defeated. You just got to keep your eyes on the Lord, on Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? He's the word. So keeping your eyes on Jesus means you're keeping the word in, his, in your heart and it's coming out of your mouth. 
looking on the Jesus who is the author or the initiator and finisher, this Greek word means the developer and the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Goes on in verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against themselves. you got to always consider him because he overcame, I'm an overcomer. Because he is victorious, now he always causes me to triumph and he always gives me the victory. Because he is strong, now I am strong in him. I consider him. If I don't do that, the Bible says, lest you be wearied, this Greek word literally means sick, and faint, this word means exhausted, in your minds. Have you ever been exhausted in your mind? You know, how, you know why you get sick and exhausted? Is because you're trying to figure it out. I really want to live for God and I'm just trying. Do you know how many Christians that are not in church right now that they just didn't wake up one day and go, you know, I decide I want nothing to do with God. No. They got wearied and faint and sick in their minds. And they're just like, it just has never worked. I just never have been able to walk this thing out. So I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm just going to give up. People come to church, you could see it on their face. The big thing about overcoming weakness is you must realize that you're never to be strong in yourself. You don't make the way of escape. He makes it. He loves you. He's not mad at you. If you're just blowing it right now, just sit here and look straight ahead and smile. Nobody will know. Anybody spiritual, if you're blowing it, all they're going to do is look at you and go, yeah, I've been there. But let me help you, because that's no place to stay. Jesus is going to be looking at you with all of his love. He does, he's, not, he's not mad. He's not ready to slap you. That's all, that all was made up by religion, right? Religion. Read, read the Gospels. If there's one thing that really ticked Jesus off when he was on the earth, it was religion it would bind people i mean you had religious leaders getting mad that somebody got healed on on the sabbath are you kidding me right so this is interesting consider him lest you be sick and exhausted in your minds and then it says this i love verse four you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. So Jesus is saying, guys, I've been tempted in every way like you. But then he's saying, listen, consider me. Because not only have I been tempted in every way that you'll ever be tempted in, I have resisted unto blood striving against sin. Where, where did that happen? This is a reference of the Garden of Gethsemane to when he was right at the doorway of having to be made to bear all of mankind's sin. 
where he was made to realize that I will be separated from my father. I have to literally take upon myself this spiritual death that mankind has been plagued with. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in him. He resisted unto blood. In the Garden of Gethsemane, now they don't, they don't have a record of somebody living that were, it, when, when something happens and a person sweats blood, it means the pressure on them is so great physically that the blood vessels, they burst underneath the skin and it looks like they're sweating blood. They don't have an instance of somebody living from that. We do. Jesus lived from that. And angels came and ministered to him. And he went into that garden and he got to the point where he was being tempted. I mean, could you imagine? I don't have to do this. This is not because of me. I'm doing this for all mankind. And then he gave, the Bible says, when he came out of that garden, the Lord had so, got, his father had so ministered to him that he said, Father, but if you could take this cup from me, if there's any other way to redeem man from spiritual death, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will. He was tempted, but he overcame. And when he came out of the grave, he came out in power. And he went to the cross for you and I. It says here, you've not yet resisted unto blood. Wow. Talking about the struggle of our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane as he agonized about spiritual death. Wow. Thank God. So now, let's jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 for the third time. Now let's, let's look at this again. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer or will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation taken also make a way of escape He's going to give you a way out that you may be able to bear it. So let's look at this phrase, God will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. You should read some commentaries on some so-called educated people on this. And this is preached all the time, but it's not biblical. God will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Religion has taught this verse like this. God will not put more on you than you could handle. And everybody goes, oh, okay. That's literally been taught that way. That God will not put more on you than you could handle. God's not the one tempting you, bringing that pressure, bringing, you got to know this. What God will do, he won't allow something that's bigger than where you are right now, he won't allow it in your life. 
But anything that comes in your life, because, you know, he's sovereign, but here's rule number one of sovereignty, your will trumps him in your life. If you don't believe that, he does not want you to lie, but how many of you know you could lie today? He wanted you to meditate in, your word, in his word day and night, walk in love, all this stuff all last week, but did you ever not? Right? Gossip. Man, he just can't stand gossip. But you know, he loves the gossiper. So, so we, we do these things, but this is, this is why religion is blind to this. Because this is saying that if I face an opponent in my life, it means I'm able to overcome this in him. But this is saying right here, it's not saying that God's going to not, he's not going to put too much on you so that you can't bear it. Do you realize because of this teaching, people run around thinking, well, I have cancer. God's allowing this in my life for some reason. He's trying to teach me something. Listen, God, the Bible's very clear. God teaches us with his word. He corrects us with his word. Here, if you want a PhD, here's a PhD in, in learning everything about sickness and disease. Here it is. You don't have to learn anything else about it. Being well is better. That's it. If you've ever had pain in your body, not having pain is better. We don't need, God, God's not up there going, well, I just, maybe I need to teach Tony something. No, no, Jesus actually went to the cross so that you could receive healing, right? So if you believe that God won't put on you, won't put more on you than you can bear, what this is saying See, it, it, it starts to get warped. It starts to get warped because we start to go, okay, uh, if I embrace that, then I'm embracing a lie. And, and pretty soon, it's going to lead me away from God and I'll start pitying myself. Why is this happening to me? Does God really love me? Well, who will ask those questions? Satan will throw those thoughts in your mind. Why has God allowed this? Right? It says, but with the temptation taken, also make a way of escape. In other words, God provides a way to escape every challenge and temptation that I faith or that I face. And the way of escape is faith. It's receiving through faith what he has provided for you through his grace. We must see when you're dealing with temptation, you have to, and this is why we're taking so long with this, you have to clearly know, clearly distinguish the source of the temptation. You have to know where it's coming from. And I'm here to tell you today, this is the source it is the enemy who is out to steal and kill and destroy. You got to ask yourself the question when you're facing something. Is this something, is it coming from the inside? Or is it like it always is? Is it something coming from the outside? That's the enemy. Right? This is, this is so important. If it's coming from the outside, then we must resist it. 
in the name of Jesus. We must resist every temptation and every trial, always. Because they that, that temptation, that trial, it'll keep trying to take you. And you must resist it. So in James, right, we know James 4, 7, right? You know that verse, don't you? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's the way every Christian almost reads that, but that's not what it says. It says, submit yourself to God. Ouch. Oh, pastor, don't submit, man. That's a, that should be a four-letter word like snow. I'm surprised Brussels sprouts is not a four-letter word. But anyway, submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So temptation, you got to realize everything coming against your life right now today, it's from him. It's from your enemy. He hates you. He's, he's violently opposed to righteousness, and all he, he, he's a conquered foe, so he can't just kick your life down and take it. You have to open the door and give it to him, right? Because he can't touch you spiritually, and he's been stripped, so he tries to deceive. He tries to get you to take sickness. Go watch a Hallmark movie. Man, I'm telling you, don't ever go on a TV station and watch a Hallmark movie. Because while, you know, like one time we were watching a movie and my wife came in and she goes, she goes, uh, you know, how much time is left? And I'm like, well, everything just blew up. So I'd say 10 to 13 minutes. And then on our Roku, I just paused it. It was 13 minutes. I'm like, they're about to fall in love again, you know. But if you watch it on a TV station... Right? I'm not prophetic. I, that, that's just the way I, every Hallmark movie is, right? But if you watch it on a TV station, you will hear 900 times my diabetes, my depression, my this, my that. And guess what? It's not yours. You don't want to say it's yours. Yeah, but pastor, the doctor said. Yeah, faith doesn't deny that those symptoms are in your body. But faith will deny the right for those symptoms to stay there. Right? That's, that's faith. See, many Christians don't resist the devil. Why? Because they're not willing to submit to God. But many Christians don't even believe that there is a devil. He, he's he's kind of hidden. John 10.10 says what? The thief comes not but for to steal and kill and destroy. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, talking about how we deal with Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, it says, be sober. That means think clearly, don't be moved by your emotions. Be vigilant, be ever on your guard. Why? Because your adversary, this is real interesting, because in this, it really brings something out. It says your adversary, the devil. So now let's look at this. The word adversary is the word antideikos. It is a masculine noun in the Greek. Right? It means your opponent. 
your enemy. It literally means one who is violently opposed to righteousness. And guess what? You as a Christian have been made the righteousness of Almighty God, so you are on the top of his hit list. Literally, his name is adversary. That's the noun. The devil. The word devil in the Greek literally is an adjective. Why? Because it literally shows you how he works. Dia. Is it dia? Diabolos is the word devil. Dia literally means to penetrate through something. We know from other scriptures, Satan wants to penetrate through your mind. So that he can, uh, so, and how does he do that? By abolos. He throws something, blow after blow after blow after blow. What are those? He throws thoughts to penetrate your mind. This is how he brings the test trials, temptations, the pressure, right? Be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, right, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking whom? He's like a lion. Well, go study lions. They don't go after the strongest one in the group. They go after the weakest. They go after the one that's separated. Why do I talk about God? Step number one as a Christian, God will plant you in a local church. Right? you you got to be planted in a local church. That is the foundation of your walk with the Lord. Why? Well, because the, your adversary, is like a, he's like a lion. He's seeking whom? He, he loves when people get isolated. Right? I'm so thankful for our church being friendly. You know, there's a lot of people in our church, they look around for people that are sitting alone, not, not being talked to, and right, and all this stuff, and, and, and we, we always are talking about that relationship, relationship, because it's so important to get knit in. T.L. Osborne said it this way, the banana, now this is a deep theological statement, the banana that gets pulled away from the bunch is the one that always gets peeled. Have you noticed that? Right, always. It always starts out by the one that gets pulled away from the bunch. If you put your ear by a banana, when you, you'll hear it go, no. No, I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm teasing. Why did I say that? Just to wake you up, okay? All right. But he's seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't devour everybody. Right? You got to know he's a defeated foe way under your feet. And so we don't let him steal from us anymore. It says in verse 9, whom resist, how do we resist him? Steadfast. That means to be, we resist him strong and immovable. In other words, Satan, here you're coming. I am not running. I'm not moving. Right? Steadfast what? In the faith. So in other words, I stand my ground and I say it is written. That, that's how I resist the devil, with the word of God. Knowing the same, now look at this, knowing the same afflictions, the same tests and trials and temptations, they are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Wow. See, have you ever noticed, Satan? He will, he will tempt you. He'll throw some stuff in your life to try to get you to make a wrong decision or to yield to it. And then have you noticed? 
even before you yield to it, he'll be on your shoulder going, I can't even believe, I can't believe you thought that, pastor, right? I'm foolish Tony unless he wants to get all religious on me, right? He'll throw a thought and then go, wow, why are you thinking about that? When you're not really thinking about that. All roads to him. Why does he do that stuff? Because guilt, shame, and condemnation leads you into the temptation. Doesn't free you from it. That's why Jesus said in the word of God in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now, now that I have come out of the grave, Paul wrote this to the Romans, now that I've come out of the grave, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, Satan will tell you nobody knows what you've been through. But if you let the enemy convince you of this, then you're believing the enemy's lies, like I said earlier. It's going to get you to start feeling sorry for yourself and pitying yourself, which will take you deeper into it. Look at what James, the next step of this, let's go to James chapter 1. You guys getting something out of this today? I hope this helps you. This is a year of freedom for you. God wants you free. James chapter 1 and verse 13. Now this is James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Jesus' is half-brother. And the, and the, the Christians were, going, were, were heavily persecuted. And obviously, James is the pastor of this church. They said that this church could be as big as 100,000 people. And obviously, there was a lot of talk going on throughout the church and a lot of it must have been that God, kind of what we face today, that God is somehow allowing this. And you know his ways are not our ways, right? And they use all those half scriptures. But look at what James said. He said to, he's saying to us, he said to his church, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now, that sounds real formal, let no man say. In the Greek language, it would read like this. Stop. Stop, everybody. Come on. I don't want to hear this again. Stop saying this. Don't say that God's tempting you. And then it goes on to say, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt any man. So can we settle the fact that the temptation is not from him ever, Amen. ever. But every man, verse 14, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and he's enticed. Now check this out. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. See, Satan is able to entice you after you're drawn away of your own lust. That word lust would mean desire. And don't think of it as just sexual. It could be a desire to, you know, I, a desire to go, I got to go, the, the Spirit of God is, is stirring me to get in the Word, and, and He gives me this desire to do my to-do list. Right? You know, it could be little, it's so subtle. 
Every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust, with his own desire, and he's enticed. This word enticed is a, is a fishing term. It literally means to bait. It means to entrap, to lure. Have you ever, have you ever fished and used a lure? Right? You're enticed. I remember one time we were in a spring-fed lake in Minnesota, and a, a guy in our church took us fishing. And, I mean, you don't really fish on this lake. It's, they should call it catching. Because literally, I had this little lure, and, and I put it down on the water right on the side of the boat, and there's like 20 fish down there. And I kind of move it around, and then boom, about every 15 seconds, I'd pull the fish out, he'd take it off the hook. So he was taking fish off the hook constantly. We caught 300 fish in 45 minutes until a tornado hit that area and we had a Sea of Galilee moment. That was crazy. All of a sudden the waves were like, I'm like, you know, Steve, are you trying to kill us here? What's going on, right? But, but we kept 75 of the biggest ones, but we baited them. You know, it's kind of like, the, have you ever seen this, the, all, all you grandparents or parents, the movie Bugs Life, right? Don't go to the light. I can't help it, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, you as a Christian can help it, right? Don't allow Satan. He's going to try to ignite desires to entice you. And then it says, and then when lust or when this strong desire has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And that's the problem. Sin doesn't bring forth death right away. When it's finished, it brings forth death. Right? You feed the desire until the desire gets strong enough to act on the desire. That's how it works. And sin will always work death in you. That's how come God does not want you to walk in sin. Because he doesn't want you to experience death. Now here's the thing. I got to take a moment and we got to be real, okay? We have all made mistakes in the same area of temptation. Over and over. Have, have you ever had an area of your life where you know God doesn't want you to do it, but you do it anyway? And then you repent and then you do it again an hour and a half later. Then you repent and you do it again. We have all, can we say that? Can we just be real? We've all made mistakes over and over and over. We've all missed it multiple times, right? Have you noticed how God is not moved by that? I mean, he's moving. He wants to move to get you out of that and get you free from that. But he doesn't beat you up for it. Because he loves you. You could miss it. In the, have, what if, have you ever had a problem with lying? Now, now, of course, in the church, everybody would go, oh, no. <laughs> right? Then your wife makes a meal. <laughs> right? And just say, and, and you're looking, do you like it? And, and, and yeah, it's good. You liar. <laughs> right? 
You see, we get in, in situations, overspending, right? We had a young lady in our church that, that fasted. It was so cute, and she's so powerful spiritually. But you know what she fasted? Shopping. Because she loves to shop. And, and it, it's not how much money it costs, it's how much money you save, right? I mean, look at Rosita. I mean, all the ladies are going, well, yeah, right. It's how much you save, right? Here's another one, maybe. Addictions. This is a big one. Drugs, whether prescription or street drugs. Alcohol, cigarette smoke. Here's a big one, probably the biggest, food, right? Do you eat to live or do you live to eat? I know that sounds funny, but man, God wants you free. Look at Samson. I love the, the example of Samson. Samson was literally called from his mother's womb to be Israel's deliverer. I mean, this guy, the feats of strength, the anointing of God would come upon him and he would rip the gates off of a city and carry them away. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> right? He ripped the jaw, he, he took the jawbone of a donkey. Hopefully the donkey was dead and it was just, <laughs> he took the jawbone of a donkey and he slayed a thousand, a thousand men with it. Now, everybody would think, well, Samson, you know, he probably looked like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, just like, you know, with the ability of Chuck Norris. But if you read the story, nobody could figure out the source of his strength. But Samson had a weakness that he never dealt with. It started when he was a teenager, and it ultimately ended his life, and that was his weakness was Philistine women. So why is that story in the Bible? Man, one of the reasons, it's because guys don't allow, deal with whatever you're dealing with, but don't deal with it in your own strength. Give it to God. Draw from his grace and through faith deal with it. We must know, this is a big thing about temptation. You must know that you never have to yield to sin, ever. See, most Christians are like, well, you know, I mean, you're just going to sin because you're just human. Well, that's, if you have that attitude, guess what? Yeah. But you got to realize God has made a way that you never, you never have to yield to sin. Right? That thing, the devil made me do it, that's a lie. The devil doesn't make you do it. Everything we do, we do because we're drawn to do it. Have you ever noticed some of this stuff? You actually hate what you can't stop doing. Right? I've talked to men as a pastor weeping in my office. I just don't understand. I'm on my fourth marriage and I just can't be faithful. I try. I hate what I do, but I just keep having affair after affair. I, I hate alcohol. It's destroying my life and my family's life, but I can't stop. 
That's where these temptations, Satan wants you to believe you just can't break out of it. Here's a big one. I just, I know God is my answer and I know that I'm to walk with him, but I just, I have no desire to. And, the, and, and I just, I go to church and I sit here and I have no desire for the Lord at all. And I just don't know what to do. Well, praise God you're here because we're telling you what to do. So many Christians have tried to overcome stuff that is hurting them and those around them because they're trying to do it in their own strength. And can we just, listen, give yourself a break. You can't get free on your own. You were never designed to get free on your own, right? You need the grace of God and the faith of God. You need it. In other words, and we're going to talk more about this probably next week, a lot more about this. Grace and faith will break the cycle of yielding to temptation. I love this. So we'll talk more about that.